Syracuse, New York class. My name is Peggy Trevison. I will be your moderator for this evening's lecture. I'd like to welcome you all um, to our school. And this is a school, not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organizations. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization that is dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim, and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in 1958. Since that time, we have established branch schools throughout the United States and various parts of the world. The Syracuse branch was established in 1969. At this time, I'd like to introduce you to the Dean of our Syracuse branch school, Dr. Patrick Trevison. In this school, we used the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by the title Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been erroneously substituted by the title God. And the name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been improperly substituted with Jesus Christ. Now, Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and there are God's many. But we now know each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means Elohim is the title that our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part into an encyclopedia or dictionary would prove that the uh, that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that is made by the letter J. Neither was there a J in the English language until some 1400 years after the death of the Messiah. Therefore, making such names as Jesus and Jehovah impossible and untrue renderings of the true name of the Father and the Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Now, Yahweh, our Heavenly Father, is pure spirit, and in his pure spirit state, he is inscrutable and incomprehensible. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in this pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. But if you take a look at this chart, you'll see that we have the cloud painted all the way around the edges of the chart in like manner. And all the way, <laughs> so everything, the cloud around, all around the edges of the chart to show you that everything on this chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. And Yahweh, knowing that man cannot perceive of him in his pure spirit state, takes on shape and takes on form right within himself as Yahweh Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being, that is, having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. 
this visionary shape and form can only be seen by divine vision and only understood by divine revelation. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world has come to know erroneously as Jesus Christ. Now there is only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simply intelligent question we should ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Savior during the time that he did walk the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title can be had by reading the preface to a, of a holy name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop of Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments making up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof how that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. In this school, we have 10 primary constitutional objectives and aims and they are as follows. First is to help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua Messiah, without distinction of race or nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law, or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of scriptures, compared religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern practical and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Sixth, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eighth, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained, there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua Messiah. Tenth, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the newer state. Our watchword is peace, and our slogan is speak the truth. Now the script, we'd like to have the meeting tonight dedicated with a prayer by Dr. Scott Miller. It'll be followed by a scripture reading, which is Ephesians, the fourth chapter. I'd like to have that read by Dr. Judy Turner from our Tampa class. And then we will, our readers for this evening are Dr. Uh, Rochelle Morgan from Georgia. I'm not sure the name of her class and Dr. Roxanne Rousseau from Green Bay, Wisconsin class. Good evening class. Let's evening. take a moment and bow our hearts and our minds to our Heavenly Father, Yahshua, and thank him for um, calling us out of the world into this gospel um, in which we were completely unaware of and ignorant of and 
without his love and without his foreknowledge, we wouldn't have any awareness of anything in this world. We'd be in complete darkness. So we thank him for bringing us into the light and allowing us to just know and understand his purpose to give us stability in these end times because without it, we, we would be a mess. I know I would be. So uh, with that, let us all say hallelujah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> okay, I'm going to be reading Ephesians, the fourth chapter out of a King James version of the Bible. Ephesians 4 and 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of Yahweh, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Yahweh, one faith, one baptism, one El and Father of us all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure and the gift of Yahshua. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now he that ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the, the in, excuse me, into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers for the perfecting of the sons, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Yahshua the Messiah, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of Yahweh, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Yahshua, that we henceforth no more children be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive all of us. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Yahshua, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies according to the effectual working of the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. This I say, therefore, and testify in Yahweh that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of Elohim through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, 
who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness and greediness. But you have not so learned in Yahshua. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Yahshua, that ye, be, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after Elohim is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry, sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that the, he may have to give to him that needs. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to, you, to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto us hearers and grieve not the Holy Spirit of Elohim, whereby we are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you and me with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Elohim for Yahshua's sake has forgiven you. That's Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Thank you very much, Dr. Miller and Dr. Turner. And I want everyone to know this will be a three speaker format. And um, for our first speaker, we'll hear from the president of the Syracuse Branch School, Dr. Robert Welch. Your microphone's working, right, Bob? Yep. Hey, there you are. You can, can you hear me? Yep, you you're good. Yep, you're good. Good? Yep. Hi, everybody. <laughs> well, um, there's a lot in that scripture. Um, can we go back and start at one, please? I, therefore, this is Ephesians 1 and uh, 4 and 1. I therefore, the prisoner of Elohim, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherein which ye are called, mm -hmm. with all lowliness and meekness and long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Okay, thank you. Um, so, some of the things I've been thinking about when I first heard this was um, thinking about. Um, the situation Noah was in um, at that time before his age made a turn. Um, and 
I think what we'll do is if we could go back and get Genesis, the sixth chapter, um, where these attributes that Paul is talking about here and the things that the gifts that are given unto the, to the prophets and the sons of Yahweh are manifest down through the scriptures. And Noah was one that really had some attributes that stood out. And uh, <clears throat> if we could start probably at 6-1, I guess, if you had it. Genesis 6 and 1. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of Elohim saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. Mm -hmm. And Yahweh Elohim said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of Elohim came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. Okay, if I could stop you there. So in the, in the third verse there, it talks about his days on the earth, 120 years. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so Yahweh's setting up at this point um, the actual end of an age. So um, one of the things I've been thinking about is how Yahweh gives you <clears throat> plenty of warning of what's coming ahead. Um, you know, just like Adam and Eve, he put them in the garden, but he didn't wait till they disobeyed to tell them that you're going to be kicked out of the garden. He told them up front. Okay. And it's the same way back here with Noah, is Yahweh setting up with Noah a time period um, of 120 years that all this flesh has kind of come to an end or come before him. Um, Let's see. Can we pick up the 13th verse, please? Sure. Exodus 6 and 13. And Elohim said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Right. So thank you. So at, at the, the end of all flesh, as Yahweh is revealing to Noah, that um, there's going to be an end, and it's already set and done in Yahweh's mind. Mm -hmm. And but yet and still, there's what some people call a probationary period mm -hmm. of um, preaching the gospel, um, so that some may be saved at the end of this age that's coming up. So, uh, and it also said in verse four, they were talking about. <clears throat> Yahweh was not happy with them, and what transpired back there was um, a building up and a um, alienation from from Yahweh and putting faith in Yahweh. Because as she read in the in the fourth verse, that these were men of renown that were rising up at the time, and and just showing that down through the ages, you're going to always um, see that that mystery of iniquity builds up his purpose and it escalates right alongside of Yahweh's purpose as it goes along. Um, <clears throat> let's see. How about, um, let's get uh, 
Let's get Genesis 7 <coughs> and 21, if we could. This is Genesis 7 and 21. And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beasts and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth and every man. All in all in whose nostrils was the breath of life of all that was in the dry land died. So as Yahweh's word went forth, and we all know the, the event that took place, that many lost their lives. And it would have taken more than just Noah and a few people to build this ark and to maintain it and to get it prepared. The ark was prepared over that period of time. So, uh, geez, where is it? Um, I think it's second, second Thessalonians, the second chapter where it talks about there'll be a falling away first. I don't know if you could find that. I think it might be the second chapter of this. Yes, that's correct. You got it? Yep. Second Thessalonians 2 and 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that son of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. So here's the end of an age, and it's talking about don't let any man deceive you by any means. And if, if you know, as our school is taught that... Um, there is a mystery of iniquity and there's a mystery of righteousness and operation. And that mystery of iniquity talks about, it actually has a number on him. Most people are familiar with 666. And that's talked about in Revelation. And where it talks about that number 666, it talks about that number being the number of a man. So <clears throat> you're gonna see this um, type of the mystery of iniquity or that one that always raises up. There's always a rebellion with that mystery of iniquity because um, iniquity does not get along with righteousness. The two are opposed. So they're always going to be just opposed down through the scriptures, down through history. Um, could you repeat that, please? Sure. Second Thessalonians 2 and 3. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. Right. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. So here's an end of an age with Noah. And that mystery of iniquity is being represented or present within um, people living on the earth. And that's what this mystery does is it rises up or raises up and rebels against what Yahweh set up. Um, and of course, when you think about it this way, that Yahweh only ever had three things built by mankind. And it was um, Noah's Ark was one of them. It had an upper, lower, middle story. And the other one was the tabernacle that Moses constructed in the wilderness that had a holy place, most holy place in the court roundabout. And, oh, he's on the move. Um, and the other one, was Solomon's temple that was built um, in Solomon's reign. 
and that had a oracle porch and sanctuary, I believe are the three parts to that. So Yahweh's purpose is being manifested through these, this threefold nature. And this threefold nature on this chart that I think Greg is pointing to is that this, um, this pattern was a pattern of salvation. And the pattern of salvation was manifest down through these um, different vessels that he created or had built. So back here with Noah, they needed the help of many to build this ark. But when it came down to the final end, people had turned away. People had um, decided to do their own thing, which is, which is common through the scriptures. People run off to the groves and start um, worshiping other gods. And this was what Yahweh tried to get them to focus on was this plan of salvation. And so, you know, when Paul's talking about all these <clears throat> attributes of the prophets, um, Noah's name meant comfort. Mm -hmm. So you know that back there, when he received word that this was um, detrimental to mankind, that this was an end of an age that was coming up and people's souls were at stake here and their souls would be lost. And of course, the outcome is at the end of the age, there's a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. That was the only mm -hmm. point I was bringing out there. Um, uh, let's see. Why don't we, could you, could you read another verse or so there, please? Second um, Thessalonians two and four. Yes. Who opposes and exalteth himself above all that is called Elohim, or that is worshipped, so that he, as Elohim, sitteth in the temple of Elohim, showing himself that he is Elohim. So he's trying to show, always rise up and show that he's going to be the one that's worshipped, not Yahweh. So that's the purpose coming down, is he's always trying to draw souls away from that, that threefold pattern of salvation. Back there with Noah, that mystery of iniquity was running rampant. After 120 years, he had everybody but Noah and his family thinking that they were out of their minds to be in a boat at that point in time, right? Mm -hmm. So um, please read. Five, remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. Uh -huh. And now ye know that what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. Right. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. So as, as um, members of the class or sons of Yahweh, we understand that this mystery is um, definitely um, activated, operating, um, uh, ever-changing, just like... Um, these viruses that come out, they're always mutating and changing. And that's the opposite of Yahweh, because Yahweh says that I am Yahweh and I change not. Mm -hmm. So you've got this other mystery that's always trying to come at you from a different angle and always trying to take um, that life that Yahweh has given unto us, this precious gospel of salvation. And he's always trying to strip you of that. And strip you of that faith that you that Yahweh has built up in us. And down at the end of the age, it's like getting down to the one yard line on the um, football field 
things get pretty tightened up at the end. And when you try to cross that line, that's where it gets tough. And that's where we're at right now, is we're living this time where the mystery of iniquity has become rampant. Men of renown, men of renown in the, in the school, yeah. um, that's going on as we speak. And it's been talked about quite a lot lately, but it, it is so, so um, obvious now to so many people that people are wondering really what, what's next, what's coming next, right? Um, so this mystery of iniquity does already work and Yahweh's allowing him. He's mm-hmm. allowing him to build up just like uh, he built Pharaoh up um, in Egypt to show his power. Um, so I think what I'll do is I'll, I'll go back. We're talking about Noah. Um, while, actually, while we're there, can we get Hebrews 11? Um, it's around Hebrews 11, maybe six or seven. It picks up. Yep. But without faith is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to Yahweh must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So without faith, it is impossible to please Yahweh, right? Mm-hmm. Please read. But by, excuse me, by faith, Noah, being warned of Yahweh of the things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he commanded the world and became heirs of righteousness, which is by faith. And they came, they became heirs of righteousness because of that faith that they had back there. Remember, there wasn't any physical law yet. This was before Moses. Um, and they had such a faith to hold on for that 120-year period. And you know that it got tough down at the end of that. 120 years preaching that gospel. Um, uh, let's see if we could get... Uh, I wanted to talk about this for a minute. Um, Genesis 11 and 4. I want to talk about... Actually, probably pick it up in one. It's um, talking about the Tower of Babel. So um, after Noah and his family um, are saved in the ark and they come into a new cleansed world, the water recedes from the face of the earth, um, then life um, starts to mature again and starts to to go on. Oh, thanks. Good shot there. Um, So we're talking about um, a time here where people, it starts getting populated again, and this mystery rears its head again. So if somebody has that. Genesis 11 and 1. Right. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Mm-hmm. And they said one to another, go to, let us make brick and burn them. Thoroughly, and they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. So there's a little more to the story, because when Noah Noah and his family come out of the ark, um, Yahweh tells him, 
he'll, he'll never take out the world, kill the whole world off again, like he did during that flood. So with that understanding, um, those that are Yahweh's are not going to worry about a flood this time in that sense of the word, right? Mm -hmm. So here you got um, at the Tower of Babel, and Babel means confusion. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, they're out there and they're building this thing and they're using slime for mortar. Now there's all kinds of different mortars. There's hard mortars, there's soft mortars, but slime is almost like a clay from my understanding. I mean, I wasn't back there. I don't know for sure, but what I do know is they weren't building uh, on a solid foundation. Um, hmm. Not like um, uh, Solomon's temple, per se, which was built on a threshing floor that was actually stone. But anyway, um, so the thing is, could you repeat, uh, I'm not sure if you got to it, uh, verse 4, please? Sure. Genesis 11 and 4. Yes. And they said, go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. Right. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. So they wanted to um, build, they wanted to build a name. They wanted to build a city and a tower that'll reach unto heaven. So this is not a structure that Yahweh was inspired inspired them to build. This is men of renown again, rising up with their thoughts and opinions. And it's just manifesting in this great tower, this great ed edifice. Um, did you read where, um, uh, let, uh, let's see, I think it's uh, verse nine, maybe. Nine, therefore is the name of it called Babel, because mm -hmm. Yahweh did there confound the language of all the earth and from thence did Yahweh scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. So they, he confounded their language and scattered people across the face of the earth at that point. So they never finished the structure because of their, their inability to communicate. So that um, way of thinking was... Um, transpired throughout the world or in other words these people went out with that in their minds setting up other cities somewhere on the earth plane so you know that's you know it's almost like after germany when they um when the um red cross maybe well they called it the rat lines oh they took all these germans that were in the camps and stuff and they tried to get them out in other countries um so it was almost to that extent where these types of the mystery of iniquity were scattered throughout the world, you know. And um, in fact, they were still bringing a bunch of them to uh, justice over the years. And they'd take, bring them back and, you know, take them to court. But anyway, so this is that mystery of iniquity rising up with no, no sure foundation. Um, and it talked about building a tower, right? Mm -hmm. So... Um, Let's see. We're talking about these men of renown. So if we could get it quick, uh, Numbers, the 16th um, chapter. And you could start at one, I guess. Um, okay. Numbers 16 and one. Mm -hmm. Now, Koran, the son of Ishar, the son of Konath, the son of Levi, 
and Dathan and Abraham, the sons of Elaba, I may be saying this wrong, and right. On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. Right. And they rose up before Moses, and certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assemblies, famous in the congregation, men of renown. So here we go again with that men of renown or that, that way of thinking that they're going above what Yahweh. Um, now consider at this point who it was that set Moses up in the position. Moses and Aaron were chosen from by Yahweh um, long before Moses even went back to Egypt to bring the children of Israel out. Yahweh had chosen him in particular and um, so here you got Korah and 250 men of renown, or these princes, rising up again. And, um, you know, with this whole thing with the insurrection going on, an insurrection means to rise up. Mm -hmm. So all these things are just showing you that at the end of this age, this thing is just heating up and getting worse, this rising up attitude. And uh, even in our institute, we're finding people have been hitting pretty heavy on it. How that um, at the end of the, this age, our own um, our own brethren, that we many of us were in such good um, graces, or or you know some of our best friends have left and been separated in the gospel. They have walked away from what it is they had, and and it's been it's difficult. It's been difficult, and. Now it's getting so far gone. And I, I remember um, it was said that Dr. Kinley talked about how at the end of the age, um, it's going to look a lot like church to some folks that present that are presenting the gospel to you. That um, it's not going to look the same. And it was talked about last week in class about um, how Dr. Kinley warned us that at the end of the age, these things are going to happen and transpire. So... Um, uh, if you could read a little more there, please. Three, and they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and Yahweh is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of Yahweh. So now and they're going to, yeah, now who are you to lift yourself up above the congregation of Yahweh. what This is what Yahweh set up. And it's just like with Noah. That ark back there is simple, a vessel as it seemed, that was a vessel of salvation. And it was Yahweh that set that up. Yeah. That, um, that tabernacle in the wilderness, that was salvation that Yahweh set up. It, was, it, was, it looked simple from the outside. It didn't look like a whole much, a whole lot of much, but... That's where Yahweh said he would dwell. And that is where the children of Israel's salvation was coming from in the wilderness back there. So um, we're over here in numbers and there's a rising up. This is, is rising up or it's, it's being manifested again. Please read. And when Moses heard it, he fell upon his face and he spake unto Korah and to all the company saying, even tomorrow, Yahweh will show who are his and who is holy and will cause him to come near unto him, even him who had whom he had chosen 
will he cause to come near unto him? So he he's going to show um, who's Yahweh's and who's not. Um, please read. This do take ye censors, Korah, and all his company, and put fire therein, and put incense in them before Yahweh tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom Yahweh do chose, he shall be holy. Ye shall, ye shall take too much upon ye, ye sons of Levi. And Moses said unto Korah, Hear I pray, ye sons of Levi. Seeing okay. it be, seeing it but a small thing unto you, that the Elohim of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel mm -hmm. to bring you near to himself to do the service of the tabernacle of Yahweh and to stand before the congregation to minister unto them. So what he's saying there is, is some of those that are rising up had already been given a job from Yahweh. They'd already been, they're part of um, the body of Israel. And they were already um, given something to do in the purpose of Yahweh, right? Or supportive of Yahweh. But that wasn't enough for them. Mm. That just wasn't enough. They wanted the whole ball of wax here, right? Um, let's see. Can I um, drop you down to 21, please? Separate yourselves among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. Right. And they fell upon their faces and said, "O oh, Yahweh, the Elohim of the, the Elohim of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin, and wilt thou be and wilt thou be wroth with all the congregation?" Uh -huh. And Yahweh spake unto Moses, saying, "Speak unto uh, to the congregation, saying, Get ye up from the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Ab Abraham." And okay. Moses rose up. Can I just stop you for a second? Yes, sir. So um, <clears throat> he tells him to get up from the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Ab Abraham. And one of the things Dr. Kinley brought out about this was he said these guys were master builders in Israel, in uh, Egypt. Mm -hmm. In other words, they're working on um, Pharaoh's um, treasure cities and you know the pyramids, all that kind of stuff. Um, and they were they were the masters of the builders. And now you're picking up over here in 24. He says, they tell him to get away from the tabernacle of Korah. So they didn't like that, that Moses came down with that plan, that simple plan to build that tabernacle. And they thought they could do better, mm. right? They thought they could come up with something that was more appropriate than what Moses came up with. But it wasn't Moses that came up with it, right? It was Yahweh Elohim that gave him this pattern because it was um, a pattern of salvation, and it was simple. See, these master builders wanted to go in and build some great edifice. But why wasn't it appropriate there? It wasn't appropriate in the desert because it had to be moved from site to site. Or in other words, when the cloud lifted and moved, that tabernacle had to go with it. So they couldn't be out there building up something with a big foundation. In it. it had to be mobile. Their thoughts weren't Yahweh's thoughts. And, and really, it comes down to these same people end up being the ones that are afraid for their lives to go into Canaan's land. 
and they reject that promised land of Yahweh's. And it was because of that. And when those spies went up into, I know I'm kind of cutting this up, but when those spies went into Canaan land mm -hmm. and got all that fruit and they got the witnesses that it was really what Yahweh said it was, a land flowing with milk and honey. But they were up there for 40 days and they came back and Israel said, we don't want to go. There's giants up there. They yeah. just didn't want any parts of it. And because of that disobedience, when they brought back that report, how uh, uh, two of them, two of them had a, a good report and the other ones had an evil report. Five minutes, Dr. Welch. Oh boy. Okay. And because of that, right? <clears throat> because of that, um, Yahweh says, you're going to spend the 40 years in that wilderness. And that 40 years was a time of, uh, as Dr. Kinley called it, a, a high death rate that went on there. That whole generation had to die out. Why? Because it was the generation that would be born again or born after Israel that were going to go on and, and, and partake of that land flowing with milk and honey. And it was all purpose to be that way. That's why you can't go in and think that you're going to change something in Yahweh's purpose and still come out with salvation. It just doesn't work that way. You have to stay with the program, right? Um, well, there's so much. Um, uh, how about, uh, can we get just real quick, Ezekiel 33 in one? I'll just throw this out and then. Ezekiel 33 and 1. Again, the word of Yahweh came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people, and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast and set him for their watchman, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then Whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. So there's blood upon their head. So um, Yahweh sets up a watchman and he set him up all down through the ages. And at the end of the age, he's, he set us up as these watchmen that are watching this thing happen and unfold. And um, we are obligated to share this great gospel with somebody. And we sure don't want somebody's blood on our hands. And that's why we go to the extent of trying to get out here and get this gospel wherever we can. And at these last days, you don't know when the last person is going to be clicked into the puzzle mm -hmm. or into that body that was talked about in the scripture reading. Um, mm -hmm. And these watchmen of Yahweh are critical. Right. Uh, could you please read some more? Five. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him. Mm -hmm. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. Mm -hmm. But if. Go ahead. But if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet and the people be not warned. If the sword come and take any person from among them. He is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So at the watchman's hand. So, so that, um, that obligation 
is, is on us at the end of the age to supply this good news to those that we can give it to. And um, to the saving of a soul. That's what this gospel's always been about. Um, and, and to think that there's, there's people that have been prone and, and exposed to this great gospel and deny the power that it has to bring a man's soul from the dead. In fact, some people say, I don't, I don't have a soul and I don't want one. I don't, right? I mean, we've heard all kinds of things about, they don't believe to the saving of the soul. I've heard it said that there's only one soul and that's Yahshua. But see, that's not what this, this Ephesians is talking about. It's talking about many that are um, um, connected together like a body, right? Um, there's a word in there called articulate, which means to communicate where the bones come together, they articulate. And this body of Yahshua is being put together just like that temple was put together silently. This body is being put together stone by stone and board by board. And, and, and the world just doesn't recognize that it's going on. I, I hope I didn't confuse anybody. I didn't get too far, really. I was hoping to get a little farther. But thank you for the time and um, for those that read. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Welch. Our next speaker, we'd like to hear from Dr. Doug Kmetty, North Syracuse class. Uh, hi, good evening, everybody. Good evening. Um, I really enjoyed um, Bob's testimony. Um, where he uh, left off is a really, a really good spot as far as uh, what that scripture uh, lesson we had tonight um, in um, Ephesians. So I. I Definitely like to go over to the scripture and uh, read down a little bit there. Ephesians, the fourth chapter? Yeah. Ephesians 4 and 1. I therefore, the prisoner of Yahweh, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering forbearance one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Yahweh, one faith, and one back immersion. And Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Okay, thank you. Um, so what's jumping out, obviously, is this... Um, principle of unity and it's the unity of the faith of the operation and us being in that faith and being all together in that faith, faith making up the body of Yahshua the Messiah him being the head and us being the body right. and so um, they started uh, Bob was talking about um, you know many members making up the one body and us uh, fitly joint together and we see in our own body how um, when everything's working together in a perfect balance that, you know, we have um, good health and, you know, we can do a lot of things. And when something's off, we have dis-ease and that's when there's a problem and something's out of balance and it's, you know, the body's not in this unity. 
of uh, what it's supposed to be. Because, I mean, we are uh, perfect examples of, you know, man is made in the likeness and image of Yahweh Elohim. So we can see that harmony. We can see that balance. So uh, when it was talking about there's one body, one spirit, one hope of your calling, you could see all the, um, the power in that unity um, and the way a unity will work. And in other words, too, when you are in that one singleness of mind, then you are not going to be in a chaotic state of being tossed around. Uh, one person says something to you and that throws you over here. Another person says something else to you. Like when we first came into class and we were, we were excited, but we were immature in the spirit. And, you know, we'd go out and tell people about the names and they'd say, well, what difference does a name make? And it might've thrown you at first because you didn't expect that. You just expected everybody would have the reaction you had. Wow, this is awesome. I actually know the name of God. I mean, I, I, still can't get over that, that we, you know, that he's let us in on something so intimate as, as his name. And, and we breathe that name and we pray in that name. And when people, you know, mock it, or when people um, have, you know, something that is not really, you know, that good to say about it, it makes me very nervous. Like I just, you know, expect something to, you know, come, come down on their heads because it is the name that we breathe. It is life giving. And it is, you know, when you're stressed and when you're panicked and when you, even if you have like muscle stiffness or aches and pains and you just start focusing on your breath, it can really make a difference. So if you're having trouble sleeping and you just start listening to your breath, you can fall right to sleep. It's very calming. It's very soothing. So we are unified in that name. And on this side of the cross, under the, under the salvation that we've come onto, we are unified in that name of Yahshua. So when people say, it's really not Yahshua anymore, it's Dr. Kinley, it's this one and it's that one, it, it really is going to um, upset you because you know that you're saved in that name. And for somebody to do anything like marking it or making it, you know, uh, seem less than powerful, it just, it upsets you. And uh, like Bob said, you know, we've been talking about it a lot and, you know, everybody is going to have their comeuppance if they already haven't, um, you know, um, I, I just really, uh, the wrath is unto Yahweh and his purpose and his plan. So I just thought um, about a scripture that um, really showed uh, something about this unity and um, it's in Ezekiel the 37th chapter if we can get this and start in the 15th verse Ezekiel 37 15 the word of Yahweh came again unto me saying <clears throat> moreover thou son of man take thee one stick and write upon it for Judah and for the children of Israel his companions then take another stick and write upon it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and for all the house of Israel, his companions, and join them one to another into one stick, and they shall become one in thine hand. 
And when the children of thy people shall speak unto thee, saying, Wilt thou not show us what thou meanest by these? Say unto them, Thus saith Yahweh Elohim, Behold, I will take the stick of Joseph, which is in the land of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel his fellows, and will put them with him, even with the stick of Judah, and make them one stick, and they shall be one in mine hand. And the sticks whereon thou writest shall be in thine hand before their eyes. And say unto them, Thus saith Yahweh Elohim, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whither they be gone, and will gather them on every side, and bring them into their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king to them all, and they shall be no more two nations, neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms any more at all. Okay, now, um, Roxana, if you can just stay there, we're going to um, read down a little further, but I just um, wanted to uh, make a few points here where you can see how there was a division and there was a division in Israel, and it was the young men and the old men, or the young men and the old men, and they just one wanted to keep things the way they were. Uh, somebody else wanted to change, and um, so they ended up being divided. And then um, Yahweh's talking here now about this. Um, it's it's kind of like a symbol or like a you know uh, something that's uh, you know two sticks and showing how there's names written on the sticks and showing how they've been divided. And now Yahweh is saying, put them together and show the principle of this unity or coming back together. Something that was mm -hmm. separated now coming back together. And Yahweh, importantly enough, Yahweh's saying that he will gather them and he will bring them into their own land. So these are all things that are actually happening, events that happened historically, but we look at it and we can pull and extract a principle showing us how we have all been gathered in that name of Yahweh. And now on this uh, side of the cross in Yahshua, <coughs> we've all been gathered in that great name and brought into our own land. And our own land isn't a, a piece of ground as we would know it like you'd go buy a piece of ground and build a house on our mm -hmm. land was is Joshua in us and we are the dust of the earth and so you can see how he's showing that there was a separation and we were every which way we were we came from all walks of life we uh came from rich and poor we, I mean, there's just so much that we were divided by. And, you know, even back in the garden where Yahweh, he divides the sexes. And mm -hmm. you can see all these divisions happening. And Yahweh, he's got a purpose in mind. But the mystery of iniquity, he uses those divisions to incite riots and to cause strife, and to cause anger. And uh, I'm better than you because the color of my skin or the status of my bank account. He uses that to keep that division and to keep that strife, but not so with Yahweh. And it was always uh, a funny thing. Um, I remember um, when I lived in Albuquerque and Beverly Allen um, used to say to me that um, me and her wouldn't be friends if it wasn't for this class. Do you know what I mean? 
like mm -hmm. she went out to um, LA and she was very interested in the Black Panther movement. Okay. And she never even got to a meeting and she uh, stayed with somebody who took her to a class and that was it. Yashua just caught her up in, in this gospel and that's where she stayed. But her point was she was a black woman. I was a white woman. And she said, we would not be friends if it were not for the unity of the doctrine. And, and that's just the way it should be. And it shouldn't be, um, you know, this group, that group, and, and right. you know, I'm better, I'm more powerful, I'm first, you're last. It should be none of that. And that's how, you know, Yahshua shows us that, you know, we are all in the body of Yahshua. And you know yourself, when you go somewhere, you got to take your whole body, all the members fully <laughs> together. It's all got to go at the same time. And it was always a funny thing that people would say when I was younger in class, try to get out of bed without your head first. <laughs> and, I mean, you can't do it because Yahshua is the head and he's first and, and we're just happy to go along, you know? So um, I want her to keep reading because we're going to get down to the point in the end of uh, 37 where all this is going to culminate. And this is the reason why he's bringing all this together. So uh, pick it up in 23. Ezekiel 37 and 23. Neither shall they defile themselves anymore with their idols, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions. But I will save them out of all their dwelling places, wherein they have sinned, and will cleanse them. So shall they be my people, and I will be their Elohim. Now, once again, you can see the relationship, the companionship. You can see how Yahshua is having, or Yahweh Elohim at this point, is having a relationship with his people. And he's saying, they're not going to sin. I'm going to cleanse them because it's enmity. You know, to have a carnal mind, it's enmity against the spirit. And mm -hmm. that emptiny, enmity does not show unity. It's total mm -hmm. opposite. And Bob was working it down about that mystery of iniquity and how he is opposed. And um, it talks about being um, darkened and alienated and greedy. Now, these are all things that does not, you are not going to have a close unified relationship with a person that acts that way. And when they're darkened, they're not going to be in harmony with Yahshua's purpose. And they're going to give you the what difference does it name make and you know, that silly school you're in and Yahshua, what's that? Metaphysics, what's, you know, they're going to say all <laughs> kinds of things, see, because their, their foolish hearts are darkened and yeah. it's totally different. If you try to, if you see a blind man walking down the road and you see a man with his sight, they are totally different in their manifestations and what they do. The blind mm -hmm. man, he might have a stick in front of him you might see him at uh, a crosswalk and he's listening more intently. The, the one with sight, he's just going right ahead because he's already looked both ways. So it's totally different with somebody that has their heart darkened and somebody that has been enlightened with this truth and with this mm -hmm. righteousness. Because it said we are the heirs of righteousness, which is by this faith. And all these things tie in to this unity and being uni the unity of the spirit. And it will, it will lend itself to the spirit of peace, that bond of peace. So that's what we're talking about. And this is where in Ezekiel, 
Yahweh's talking about what's going to come to pass. So let's keep going. 24. And David, my servant, shall be king over them, and they all shall have one shepherd. They shall also walk in my judgments and observe my statutes and do them. And they shall dwell in the land that I have given unto Jacob, my servant, wherein your fathers have dwelt. And they shall dwell therein, even they and their children and their children's children forever. And my servant David shall be their prince forever. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will place them and multiply them and will set my sanctuary in the midst of them forever, forevermore. My tabernacle also shall be with them. Yea, I will be their Elohim, and they shall be my people. And the heathen shall know that I, Yahweh, do sanctify Israel, when my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them forevermore. Now, I mean, that's, that's the promise, that's the covenant, that's the new covenant, and that's what we're experiencing now in this day and time, whereas there was a lot of foreshadowing, there was a lot of prophesying, there was a lot of examples that were back in the Old, or the Old Testament. But this, where we're reading in Ezekiel, is foreshadowing when he's going to make his covenant, and it's with the sure mercies of David. And we see that he promised David that covenant. And he said that David had a heart that was like unto his. So you see all these things that are coming together and there's going to be one king, see? And, mm -hmm. and that's why we have one head on these bodies. And if you see Siamese twins or you see babies that are born with two heads, it's unnatural. And people right away, they're trying to figure out, the doctors are trying to figure out, can these separate these kids and make just one head on that body? And a lot of times they, they are successful and sometimes they're not. I just saw one the other day where they divided the, the two girls and one died within four days because her heart was not strong enough. So she would have eventually caused them both to die anyway because she would have taken so much strength out of the, the stronger one. They would have both died anyway. But my point is they had two heads on one body and that's just not the way that you're gonna have it in a natural sense. Now I'm sure it shows something and um, you know, in the creation, but I'm just saying for the, you know, eight or nine billion people on the earth plane, most of us have one head on one body. And that's to show the unity that we're gonna have with our one king. And there's mm -hmm. not gonna be this confusion about uh, old spirit, new spirit, Mm -hmm. old name new name it's going to be yashua the messiah and that's a name above every other name and um i want to read that it's over in is it philippians where it talks about that name um let me just see something here philippians uh let's see yes okay so philippians um Let's see here, two and nine. This is Philippians two and nine. Wherefore Yahweh Elohim has, has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That is the name of Yahshua the Messiah. Every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in, in the earth 
and things under the earth, and that every tongue shall confess that Yahshua the Messiah is the glory of Yahweh our Father. Okay, perfect. So a name, it's highly exalted. Mm -hmm. And then somebody comes along at the end of the age and says, we're not using that name anymore. We've got another name to highly exalt. It, it's just not healthy. It's just not good stuff to be doing that. Every right. knee is going to bow to Yahshua. Mm -hmm. And so you should take heed to these things that every knee is going to bow to a name and you should know what that name is. Now, Yahshua in his mercy, he's led his, his bride in on the, on the secret, the mystery of what the mm -hmm. name is. And it's his name. Mm -hmm. and, it's, and it's the Holy Spirit in us is also that name Yahshua. So to fool around with anything less, you know, if Dr. Kinley could come back and sit in the class, he would slap their faces. He would just not believe what they have done to the gospel. And yet, and still, he said, you won't recognize it. And we sure don't. We surely, surely don't. Now, um, Rochelle, if I could have you go over to um, Colossians 2 and 8, working still in that same vein of us in the truth, in righteousness, by faith, and not being fooled by men. Because don't forget that Mr. of Iniquity, okay, his number is 666, but it's the number of a man it said over there, right? Why is it the number of a man? Because that Mr. of Iniquity works through men. And it's not, just, it's not just sitting over there at the Pope of Rome. He moves through men and he, he was doing it right from the beginning back here. Paul said, oh my God, who's bewitched you? Who's done this? Who crept in here? You're acting like silly women just running around with everything that's being said. Settle down, be more steadfast, be more sure with what you know. And that's what this has caused us to do. Very frankly, it's caused us to say, why are they saying that? And why am I not saying that? Let me, let me see what, you know, what's going on here and having the faith in the operation of Yahshua. So let's read two and eight. Beware at least any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after the Messiah. Now, isn't that what's happened? Mm -hmm. People have been spoiled through philosophy and vain deceit. I'll tell you what, I have sit, sat in conferences and I have seen people get on the floor and preach to the front row and want that adoration and want to give that adoration to men and not to Yahshua and say, if this, if this man in the front row is going to hell, then I'm going down with him. Now, Yahshua never meant anything like that. You could pick up several places all through his writings where he came to save sinners. So you're going to blaspheme his mission by saying, I'm picking this man. I think he's important. And if he's going to be going down to hell, I'm going with him. That's so much foolishness. Mm -hmm. and, and Dr. Kinley used to say about the, you know, the goat that would stand on the tracks and the trains come and he say, you know, I admire your courage, but <laughs> your ignorance is colossal. Because you're going down. You're going down. When that train hits you, you're going down. Yeah. And so they're going to all get hit with the train. Okay. So uh, go ahead and read nine. 
For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the supernal nature in bodily form. Yes, go ahead. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, and whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, putting on, excuse me, made without hands, and putting off the body of sin of the flesh by the circumcision of the Messiah. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of Yahweh Elohim, who had raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, had he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Okay, on, Rochelle, Rochelle, hang on, but I want you to stay there, okay? Yes, ma'am. Now, you see where we're going with this? The mm -hmm. faith of the operation. So you're not going to go get circumcised, okay, in a physical way. You're not going to go and you're not going to try to get baptized in a physical way to try to wash away your sins. And some of us that were in a church prior to coming into class and did get baptized, we all have testimony that it just wasn't working for us. Mm -hmm. You know, we were definitely... We were out there and we were dry, dry valley abodes, and we were looking for something. And we didn't know what, and we, who knew how to find this? I think it's just such a, um, such a great thing that like the, the children of Israel down there in Egypt, they didn't know how to get out of there. Something, something had to happen orchestrated by the spirit, the Holy Spirit to move Moses to get down there to move Moses to tell Pharaoh what he had to tell him and to have the power of the operation to move that body up out of Egypt. And you know what? That's still going on. No, it's not that manifestation. But how many of us have sat in Egypt? And all of a sudden, not by your hand, but all of a sudden you're being moved out of the situation, death, burial, resurrection. And you find yourself in the wilderness and you're looking around like, wow, I didn't lift a finger. I didn't do nothing. And I've been pulled up out of that. And then you find yourself following that pattern. Now, guess what? The pattern is, is a circle and you got to go up and down, up and down. But you know, each time it's just strengthening your faith, strengthening your faith. And that's what we're talking about here. At this point in time, folks, we're in the faith of the operation. So keep reading, um, Rochelle, in 14. Lighting out the handwritings of the ordinances that was given that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having four principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, trampling over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of holy day or of the new moon or the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of the things to come, but the body is the messiah okay so once again we're, we're showing okay all these um the ordinances and all the you know uh the carnal commandments and all that stuff that was given back there in mount sinai we've talked about that quite a bit too recently that that was all given to the jews and it wasn't given to a gentile so we didn't have to worry although we were given that and we were raised in that that we, we were, it was for us as well. Like the 10 commandment law. Oh my gosh. We definitely tried to keep that was when, when we were members in church, but he's, it was to the Jews and he's saying he blotted it out and he, so 
and you tried to have certain things where you wanted people to give you adoration. Like you try to, um, maybe you kept some kind of a feast day. Maybe you went to church on certain days. Maybe you wanted to be seen at Easter, you know, whatever, but don't. And if you didn't go, people thought less of you. You know, you're not a good Catholic. You're not a good Protestant. That thing, let nobody judge you. And they're only a shadow because the substance is going to be Yahshua. And that's what we're experiencing now is the substance of our husband in us. And you see, when you have a unity with any other person, it's a strong bond. Uh, you know, people that were uh, good friends since second grade, and they've just say, stayed strong their whole life. And they're still, you know, good friends or, you know, somebody uh, close, close to your sister or a good marriage or, you know, whatever it is, you see those strong bonds, but yet and still they're only types and shadows just to show what, to show that bond or that spirit of peace that we have in Yahshua. When we're in his body, we're in him. We don't have to worry about sin and being apart from him. That's what happened to Adam and Eve. They were in unity in the garden of Eden. And when they fell, they were in condemnation and they were, they were shut out. They were down in darkness and they, you know, was childbearing was awful. And, you know, the sweat of Adam had to work by the sweat of his brow and they were in darkness compared to where they were up in that garden where it said that they, they walked with Yahweh Elohim. So you see how, you know, you don't want to be in that chaos. You don't want to be in that darkness. And there's a lot of things happening in this world today. And there's a lot of things that seem to be chaotic, but we're not going to be spoiled through philosophy and vain deceit of anybody saying that it's a bust because it's not. It's going right along according to the purpose. Um, and I want you to uh, read 18, Rochelle. 18, let no man beguile you of your reward in, in a voluntary, voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he had not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands, having nourishment ministered and knit together, increases the with the increase of Yahweh Elohim. So that's Where what were, if you be dead. Wait a minute, Ms. Rochelle. That's but that's what we were talking about, and that's what Bob was talking about. Yeah. About that body being knit together. Now yeah. you take, you know, you take a, a roll or uh, you know, um, some yarn, and it's just all unraveled on the floor. That that is nothing to help you stay warm or to help you, you know, <laughs> from the from the elements. But if you take that and you put that into a unified pattern row after row after row of that yarn and now you got yourself a nice hat and you got yourself a nice scarf now you got something there it's for a purpose it's working for a purpose and that's why we're going to go law um, prophets and fulfillment and we're going to go blood water spirit death burial resurrection line upon line and it's not old it's the word that Yahweh Elohim gave to us to show us how his workings go. And when he shows you a revelation and then you go back there and you can find Moses experiencing the same thing and Abraham experiencing the same thing, you know you're in good company 
you know you're in good company and you're not going to have this um, voluntary humility or this, you know, we've seen it, folks. We've seen it. Voluntary humility. They still want the glory themselves. And we mm -hmm. had it read the other night or somebody quoted it about, you know, Yahweh, he dwells in the high and lofty place with those who are humble and of a contrite spirit. That's right. Because once you see this thing for sure, what and what could you possibly come up with to brag about? It's so funny. All you can just thank Yahshua day and night because he's let you see something. And if you Five minutes, Dr. Kometi. Thank you. If you don't see everything the way somebody else sees it, sit on it. What do you care? You yeah. know you're in the body. And, and and let that you know let that stuff ride and and you know as many times as I've done that I've been satisfied one way or the other and that's what we're talking about Dr. Kinley said until you're satisfied and you know when you're satisfied you know you're satisfied you don't have to go ask somebody else in class am I satisfied no <laughs> you know within yourself that you have that peace that righteousness that joy in the Holy Spirit. And whether or not um, you manifest the same things as somebody else in class, it's not going to matter because Yahweh hasn't gone about to make robots. He's gone about to make us in his body and we will do, we will follow our conscience as he gives it to us. And so some of the things that you read in here about things that Paul had to do and uh, Timothy and they had to go get him circumcised where they could go in the synagogue, all kinds of stuff. I'm not going to worry about all that stuff, see, because I'm confident in what he showed me. And I know you are too, because you're here and, and you have the, the love of the truth. That's what Yahshua gives us is the love of the truth. So um, I want to just finish off with that um, Hebrews, uh, the sixth chapter. I know Rochelle already read it, but I think it's um, where, I'll, where I'll, I will end. Hebrews 6. 11 and 6. And right at 1? Nope. 11 and 6. Oh, 11 and 6. Yep. Hebrews 11 and 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to Yahweh must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So see, that faith, is our righteousness. And it was read already tonight somewhere that the heirs of righteousness, which is by faith. So we are the heirs of righteousness. That is our, that's our right. When you're an heir and somebody, you know, has the lawyer and the, all the papers are, are all, the will is read, what you have in that inheritance, that's your right. And we're the heirs of inheritance by this faith. So you're, you can't please him without this faith because the faith is the Holy Spirit in you, see? For without it, it's impossible to please him because when you have faith, guess what? You don't get your tea leaves read and you don't go see astronomers and astrologers <laughs> and all these kooks that want to tell you something. You have faith and whatever's next, I'm going to handle it just the way I handled yesterday because I have faith that Yahshua has my back. Hallelujah. I hope and trust somebody got something out of it. Thank you so much for the time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Kamadi. Our next speaker will be the Dean of the Oceanside Branch class, Dr. Dennis Wolpe. 
Uh, good evening to everyone, and I wanted to say that the first two speakers were very edifying. A lot of good points were made uh, by both speakers. And as I was listening, uh, I kept thinking about how that, uh, just as Deb was talking about, the uh, two sticks coming together. And I was thinking about how every one of us have been reconciled to the Father through Yahshua the Messiah. Now, reconciliation, of course, means that there was a difference. There was a division that was set up that divided us from Yahweh, that Yahshua is bringing us back into unity with the Father. Now, here's the commonality. Now, we have in this organization, in the body of Yahshua now, I want to talk, when I say organization now, I'm referring to the body of Yahshua. Every one of us have come out of some different walk of life. Let's go over for a minute and get Ezekiel 36, 24. Ezekiel 36, 24. For I will take you from among the heathen. Now, right there. Now, right there. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt you while <laughs> I know there might be a slight delay, but I will be interrupting you because I want to make points about aspects of what you're reading. Uh, mm -hmm. We're going to be taken out of the, uh, amongst the heathen. Now, all of us were amongst the heathen, and let me go on and say this. We were heathen before we came down to this teaching. We did not know Yahweh. We certainly did not have anything in common with our Creator. If we did, then we would not have needed to be reconciled. Now here's what we have in the physical. We have a world divided. And it's divided by many different so-called reasons and causes. Uh, we're divided racially, we're divided economically, we're divided intellectually, we're divided politically. Uh, you just can go on and on and on. Now here we've come from all those different areas and walks of life. And Yahshua has actually caused by reconciling us to the Father to be reconciled one to another. Now, the only way that reconciliation can take place if two parties are at odds with each other is that a, 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 an intercessor comes in and shows common ground that both sides can live with which will bring them together in a common cause. Now, irrespective of whether you were a Baptist, you were a Catholic, a Jew, or an atheist, whether you're black or white or Indian or uh, uh, Asian, uh, whether you're rich or poor, educated or not educated, those are our differences. We have been brought to a common cause, the cause of knowing our Creator as He actually is and truthfully exists, and being brought to a state that transcends the shackles of the flesh 
and the things that all of us have that bind us in this life to our troubles. And that has caused us to have common ground because we all have something that needs to be corrected. And he has reconciled us to Yahshua the Messiah. And we have come to know those that were once our, quote, enemies, or we were not in line with, they are now our brothers and sisters. And what that has generated is genuine love that allows us to be tolerant, long-suffering, patient with one another, endeavoring to keep the bonds of peace, as was in our scripture reading tonight. And it's all through the reconciliation of Yahshua the Messiah because we are being translated into his kingdom. Now his kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. Now, Bob was talking about tonight Noah. Now the name Noah means rest. And Noah was a gentle man, according to the founder. And his name means to be at rest, which is the same principle as being at peace. By Yahshua causing us to know the peace of Yahweh's purpose and plan, and understanding the peace that exists within Yahshua, and being a part of it, and being able to partake of it, has caused us to be at peace with one another. And when we do have a quarrel, we soon find ourselves right within ourselves knowing that we have to get back to that state of rest and peace in order to love one another, which was the commandment that Yahshua gave to the apostles and that was spoken about over there in 1 John that whoever keeps his commandments are his children, and his commandments are not grievous. Under this covenant, here's what Yahshua's commanded us. He's commanded us to preach the gospel in all the world for a witness. He has commanded us to love one another. And listen, there's peace in that. There is reconciliation. And so this teaching has the power to make us transcend our earthly cares and hang-ups and causes that we find that are so worthwhile uh, to dedicate our lives to, the cause of uh, political uh, uh, ideas or the cause of what your religion tells you or the cause of making money in this life, whatever it might be. We are being reconciled and brought to a state of rest and peace in Yahshua the Messiah, because we have the hope. We have hope in the immortal glorification that we will partake in at the end of this age, and the hope of entering into a new heaven and new earth state, wherein dwelleth righteousness, peace, and joy eternally, with no animosity or hatred or malice that will exist in that state, that will be within some spot within our own souls, that will all be eradicated and taken out of the way. And the world that we live in is stressful to all of us, 
and trying to convey these things to people that do not know Yahweh and don't have a knowledge of him uh, is obviously extremely hard to get these things across. They need to come in here and learn of him. Now, give me that scripture where Yahshua said, take my yoke upon you. I think it's in Matthew, the 11th chapter, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong about that. Let me see. I'll try to get over there with you so I can find where I'm supposed to be. Matthew 11 and 30. 11 and 30. Let me let me get over there with you. Oh, that's the last verse. Yeah. Uh, let's see. 28. Well, I want you to. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna want that one. No, for sure. Start at 27, please. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Now listen, listen. No one knows Yahweh. No one, your minister, your priest, your rabbi, your guru, does not know Yahweh. Because in order to know him, you can't go to school where you take courses and have a Ph.D. in theology and think that you know Yahweh. The only way you can know the Father is if the Son reveals the Father to you. And watch what Yahshua says. Read. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now we have been laboring, listen, we have been laboring in this life to find peace in our lives from a natural standpoint. We go out and work jobs to earn money, to have shelter, to have food, uh, to provide for our families, to have neighbors and friends and all the things that we want to have that we feel will give us peace in this life. Well, there are those that have labored to eat, to earn their way to heaven by doing works of righteousness as they were instructed by their churches. And we're falling short, just as the Jews fell short, trying to be righteous under the uh, operation of the Mosaic Covenant. And he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Read. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Now listen, listen, he said to take his yoke upon you. Now do you know what a yoke is used for? You know what a yoke is that they put on an oxen. But what, do the, what is the purpose of a yoke? Now the yoke becomes a part that is laid, it's a burden put upon that oxen so that they can mm -hmm. have something attached to that so the oxen can pull a plow and break up the ground so that they could plant their seeds. Right. Now Yahshua said that the way to find rest is to take that burden upon you to carry that burden, that yoke, which is attached to eternal life. 
and it's the preaching of the gospel. That's our yoke, ladies and gentlemen, by which we can break up that hard heart or that hard ground and plant good seeds of righteousness in the hearts and minds of men through these meetings, through these Zoom classes, through your regular classes if they ever come about again. We are doing the work of the ministry which he commanded us to do. We are his servants and his laborers. He has given us talents and we better at the, at the day of reckoning be able to show the increase of what we did with what he gave us. And there's rest in it. There is a rest to this teaching and laboring in the gospel. There's great joy and peace to see a soul turn from darkness unto the light and to become full of joy and thankfulness that Yahweh has chosen them and brought them into this teaching and opened up their hearts and minds to be able to receive it. And so he says here, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Learn of me. We go to class, we teach, we also sit in the chair, and we listen. And we will learn while we're sitting in the chair from the Holy Spirit, speaking through a vessel, educating us. And we will also learn while we're on the floor, like the oxen, as the, as the commandment was, do not muzzle the oxen when he treads out the corn. Yahshua does not put a muzzle in your mouth or a way that blocks you from being able to partake or eat while the gospel is coming forth right out of your own mouth. While you're breaking down these principles, these manifestations of principles, you are going to learn, you are going to eat from that, and you are going to be satisfied in your soul knowing that that was the Holy Spirit that was speaking through you. And it will bring peace, it will bring contentment in your life. It will cause you to have a sense of realization that Yahweh is real. There's a reward to preaching the gospel. There's a reward to being a witness sitting in the chair, listening and receiving the gospel. And the reward is rest. And Noah's name was rest. There was a reward unto those that would adhere. When Noah back there was given a vision, his job was to go out and preach that vision to the world as a witness. And at first, he had a great gathering. As Bob had said, Noah didn't go out there and build that ark by himself. And Dr. Kinley had once said that those people that first heard that vision, that Noah preached to them that there would be a world flood, a worldwide flood, and that he was instructed to build this ark, they actually helped them go out in the forest, Dr. Kinley said, and cut down trees and, tar and construct that ark. But here's the catch. They had to maintain their faith, their belief in the vision all the way to the end without wavering. And what Dr. Kinley said happened was as time went on, because just as we don't know the date of the consummation, back at the time of Noah, they did not know when the flood would come. 
And what happened is they began to doubt. They began to tire. They began to stop believing. They began to stop caring about the vision, and they became apostate. And they were the ones that scorned Noah when he went in the ark. And when his family went into the ark, they didn't see the vision. I mean, they could have said, this is crazy. There's no rain. There's not even a cloud in the sky. We're going into this ark with all these animals in there and shutting the door. I mean, they could have ran this through their mind and had those thoughts. But Yahweh had them believe in their father. And as a result, they rested in Noah and were saved when the storm started and when all of the uh, uh, earth, uh, the fountains of the deep broke up and the water was coming down from the heaven and there was tempest and darkness out there, they were in an ark of salvation at rest. Now, you have to understand that there's a reason why Yahshua said, to those that endure till the end, the same shall be saved. There's a reason why Paul said that if you hold your confidence until the end, steadfast unto the end, that you would be saved. And we have to pray to Yahshua to ask him to give us strength to continue and not lose confidence in the things that we have learned. And class is your beacon when you're going through hard times in your own life, being in, we never said being in class that you're not going to have any trouble in the world or in your physical life. In fact, we suffer the things common to man. Health problems, financial problems, you name it. But we have a beacon. We have a light. We have a rest in Yahshua that we can take refuge and have faith in him and learn to be patient and to learn to stand still and see the salvation that Yahshua will show us every day in our own lives. And as it was already pointed out at one of the classes that I went to, and I don't remember which one because I go to so many, uh, somebody had said that Dr. Kinley had made the statement that I wouldn't give you two pennies for a Holy Ghost that hasn't been tried. Now you're going to have to have trials in your life in order for you to learn faith and for you to know that what we're talking about down here is not fairy tales, but it actually is true, and you can actually effectively see the operation of Yahweh and Yahshua going on right in your own life, so that this becomes a reality to you, so that Yahshua is something you don't just believe in, but you know that Yahshua is real and that Yahweh is real. And the world is ignorant of these things. They don't know any better. And listen, you wouldn't know any better if Yahshua had not led you by the Spirit down to this class. And actually, as he said, no man cometh to the Son unless the Father draw him first. You were drawn by Yahweh to class for Yahshua to save you. Just like Noah when he built that ark. Dr. Kinley said Noah didn't go out there in the forest and hunt those animals. Those animals were led by Spirit law to Noah. 
And Noah was a figure at this point of Yahshua the Messiah and led them into the Ark of Salvation. And they, when they were led, were beasts that at some time were enemies that had warred with one another. You know, the lamb and the lion uh, uh, thing that we read about. They were, they were on the opposite sides of being uh, close to one another, obviously. And yet they, they became docile. They became meek. Be when they came to Noah, they became meek and obedient. And they were led into that ark. And I want you to know that that's the only thing that can cure the woes of the world that we live in today. Is for people to come to know Yahweh and Yahshua. And to learn how to uh, uh, discern the spirit of righteousness and the spirit of iniquity that operates in the world. And we then are humbled by this teaching. And our worst enemies that we might have had, and I, I know there are people that I thought uh, at one time that, was, that we were not friends, that had come down to class and embraced this teaching and we became the closest of friends as a result of it. There's rest in this teaching, ladies and gentlemen. There's great peace and there's great joy. And there's a reward and a crown that is laid up for you for remaining steadfast unto the end. And I want to say this above all, and for us to stay in our, op in other words, it's our, it's our duty to love one another. Paul said, oh man, no man, this, other, anything other than this, that you love one another. And Dr. Kinley, before he took off the flesh, he told us in 1975, and of course right up to the time he died, he said you ought to love one another. And he said if you can't get along in the, now, how are you going to get along for the rest of eternity? Well, we have to learn how to forgive one another and learn to be forbearing and long-suffering and patient and kind. These are the things that Yahshua commanded us. This is the commandments of the new covenant. We're no longer under the commandments of the old covenant because it's no longer our nature to do the things that he commanded them not to do back there under the old covenant once you have the Holy Spirit. The commandments now are expressing to you the uh, necessity for the Holy Spirit to be made manifest in your, within you to the world and to your brethren. And I want you to know that uh, there's many things. I want to go back to our scripture readings before I run out of time here because there's a couple things in there that I wanted to point out. So go back over to uh, Ephesians there. Uh, we were in the fourth chapter, is that right? Now, which chapter were we in? I forgot. Was it the third? No, the fourth chapter. Fourth chapter. Okay. Uh, I want to cut down because I can't read the whole chapter. All right, look. Now, we know that he said that there's one Yahweh, uh, one spirit, one baptism, one faith. And, of course, Dr. Kinley once told us, he said, now listen. He said, when people have, uh, uh, ask each other, what faith do you belong to? 
And Doc would respond and say, now there's only one faith for anybody to belong to. There's not many faiths. And so we realize that uh, what Yahweh what, uh, is doing is he's creating unity in the spirit. And that's what, that's what uh, Deb was talking about there. Now, uh, we go down a little further here, and he talks about, uh, start at 7. Ephesians 4 and 7. <clears throat> but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Yahshua. Now listen, listen. Do you realize that the grace that is given to us is by a certain measure that Yahshua has been instructed according to the purpose to give us? Not everybody is going to have the same gift in the Spirit, but it makes you no less a son or a, uh, 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 doesn't make you lower than somebody else. You People have a tendency to think, you know, I wish I could get up and give a lecture like Dr. Fred Allen or somebody else that you have heard that is a uh, tremendous teacher in this teaching. Let me tell you this. That is his job to do, and he's been given the grace to do that. Your job may be to get somebody to come down to class. Your job may be to hold the brethren's arms up or to be hospitable to people that uh, come to visit your class. All these things go into demonstrating the nature of Yahshua the Messiah. And none of us are above the other because one does one thing and somebody else does something that seems to be not as consequential. Well, it's all consequential. Keep reading. 8. Wherefore he saith, <clears throat> when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. All right, cut down. Wait a minute. Cut down to 11. 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Now, he didn't make all of them have the same gift. Not everybody was an apostle. Not everyone was an evangelist. Not everybody was a pastor. Not everybody had the gift of teaching. And here's these gifts that he gave to them. This is the purpose why he gave them. Read. For the perfecting of the sons, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Yahshua. Oh, wait a minute, Roxanne. What kind of a Bible are you reading out of? King James. Is there something wrong with your King James? It seems to me that something's missing in there. Shouldn't it say that he gave you these gifts so that you could be really up high in the eyesight of all the other people? No. He gave it for you to be glorified. That's not what it says. For you to be extra special. <laughs> not what it says. Now people want a gift so that people will look at them and think highly of them. That's not what the gifts are for. The gifts are for the perfecting of the sons. It's for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Yahshua. That's the only purpose of the gift, and any gift that you got is not for your own glory. Right. And we need to slap our own selves up when we let things go to our head and think highly of ourselves. We have to understand that, as, as it has been pointed out recently, that when Dr. Kinley had made the statement, you know what you got when you got a little of the Holy Spirit? He answered and said, what you got is the Holy Spirit. <laughs> now, I want you to know that 
It doesn't matter that you have much more knowledge than somebody else in the class. That doesn't make you above them. What it means is that you have more work to do. You have more work in the perfecting of the sons and the work of the ministry, and you have more obligation for the edifying of the body of the Messiah. None of it's for your own glory. And that's why we come to class. That's why we're obedient to the commandments that Yahshua has given us to, uh, to uh, uh, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. And where two or three are gathered in my name, there will I be also. And I want you to realize that uh, whether you have a title, uh, you're a dean or not a dean, it don't matter. And here's what he says. Read 12 one more time and continue through. Ephesians 4 and 12. For the perfecting of the sons, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Yahshua, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of Elohim unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Yahshua. Now listen. She, st she read that beginning part of 13. It says, till we all come in the unity of the faith. Does till mean it ha it, that you haven't come to that yet? <laughs> Listen, we're growing in grace, ladies and gentlemen. Dr. Kinley said that what he received when he had that divine vision and revelation, you understand, that he was complete in Yahshua and there was no longer any Henry Clifford Kinley after that. Now what I want you to know is he said, what I got instantaneously, you're going to get piecemeal. Now we haven't got the whole story yet. We're growing in faith. We're growing in knowledge. We're growing in, unto perfection. And what are we growing for? What purpose? Till we come to the measure of the stature, now listen, of the fullness of of the Messiah. None of us are the fullness. None of us know the whole story. None of us are right about everything we think or even say. But one thing I'll say to you about that, if Yash was in you and you are corrected with the scriptures, if you have the Holy Spirit, you will accept correction no matter what your position is in terms of this uh, being in a class, whether you're the dean or whether you're uh, a president, doesn't matter. You understand? We will humble ourselves to the truth because that's what the spirit of Yahshua is. And none of us know everything yet. We're coming to that. We continue to come to class to grow unto perfection. Keep reading. 14. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Now listen, listen, we, are learn, we have learned down here how to discern right from wrong and the truth from a lie, and I have to put it the way it is, the Holy Spirit from a demonic or satanic spirit. Hallelujah. Now the world doesn't discern. They got somebody up on a pedestal, their favorite rock star, or their president, I don't care who it is, and anything they say or do, they think, is a blessing from God. Now don't be fooled by that, ladies and gentlemen. You understand? We understand that with the knowledge that the Founder gave us, we can measure it to anybody in the world. And i got to tell you, it will open up your eyes 
to the operation of the mystery of iniquity in this earth plane. Hmm. Keep reading. By the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Read. By speaking the truth in love. But, not by, but speaking the but. truth in love. Yep. Read. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Yahshua. Go ahead. From, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body. You there, Roxanne? Okay, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now, here's what I want you to know. That when Yahshua talked well, about, when Yahshua talked about up there, when he said, see this temple, destroy this temple, and in three days I will build it up again. Now, he spake of the temple of his body. Now, the real temple of Yahshua's body is the congregation of souls that make up the body of Yahshua. That's the church. And what I want you to understand is that he is edifying. Edifying means to erect or to put something together, to build up. He is edifying or building up his body. At the end of the age, when he's done with the work, just like when they went out and built the temple. And at the end, there was a dedication where the Spirit filled that temple. Now, I want you at the end of the age, we are going to have this veil removed that we call the physical creation or universe that we live in. Right. And we are going to be a part of the body of Yahshua in all of his magnificence, clothed about in his garments of beauty and glory, which is for us to have the divine nature in, within a superincorporeal body made just like unto his. And we will be presented as his bride, see, all adorned for the bridegroom. Mm -hmm. And I want you to realize that that isn't a worthwhile endeavor for you to keep yourself, uh, as it were, motivated to continue to come to class and stay steadfast to the end. I don't know what it, what, what, what will take to get you to have that kind of drive. But all I can tell you is, this is what he's doing, ladies and gentlemen. He's edifying the body. He's con constructing his temple, which you are a member of. And so we're down here at the end of an age, and the whole world, as you can see, is in a hellish state. Mm -hmm. You are in the eye of the hurricane in a state of peace while the world is crumbling all around you. Because you have Yahshua. Because Yahweh has been so gracious that he sent uh, his servant, Henry Clifford Kinley, here at the end of the age, and then put his spirit in him, which is Yahshua the Messiah, preaching this gospel and gathering you unto him. And you have been chosen by him, and you should be shouting happy that he has called you unto salvation. And that he has taken you out of the forest, just like those animals with Noah, and led you right into the ark and caused you to be docile, to be humble, to be accepting, or as the book says, made meat. He has made us meat to be partakers of the inheritance in light, as sons in light. So I hope something that was said gave you some inspiration. I hope 
you enjoyed it. I know I enjoyed the first two speakers. There were so many things they said that I was I I could have sprung off of, and I said there's there's a lot of meat in this lecture. So all I'm going to say is keep coming to class. Don't tire from coming to class. That's one thing that Doc used to always tell us. Don't tire from coming to class. And I remember one of the times when he said this to me as I was leaving Springfield, Ohio, and I went to say goodbye to him. I went to see him in the morning. And he came in wearing his pajamas, with, which had little bugs on it. They were bumblebees. And there was a caption that came out of the bumblebee's mouth. It said, the love bug will get you. And he came and he hugged me. And he hugged me very hard, and he started crying. I mean, tears were running down his face. He said, don't ever tire from coming to class. He said, I would never lie to you. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, I have, that has never left me. And I am not going to let that old man down. I am going to be obedient to the end and carry the banner that he left for us and uphold his legacy and preach this gospel until they kill me. That's just the way it is. So I hope you learned something. Thank you so much for your attention. I'll hand it back to the moderator. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Volpe. I mm -hmm. want to remind everyone to remain muted until Sharon gives us the all mm -hmm. clear for the recording. And now we'll close with the doxology. Remind you that we meet here Wednesdays at 7 o'clock. And now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless in the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yash the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time, now and ever. Let the class all say, Amen. Hallelujah.